This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 25 years on from the infamous defeat away to York City, the Blues play out an equally forgettable fixture in Saudi Arabia. A second half performance which saw City smell Uara red blood and drive home the samurai sword does, however, send them through to the Club World Cup final. It's Wednesday, the 20th of December. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Andrew Detmer. I'm Joe Butterfield. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Um, a little bit of a whistle-stop review, I guess, uh, as alluded to in the introduction there. I don't think this one will be making the highlight reels come the end of the season. A few uh, sloppy goals and an all-round. I don't know what the words you describe it. Maybe turgid performance, at least viewing experience. I think City were sort of obviously much better team. Anyway, we're here to discuss the game. Andrew, um, have you decided or have you figured out what the team we played were called? Um, obviously alluding to yesterday's episode where you had about 15 different iterations. I think after that, that game, a few people will remember who the club were itself. Look, I, uh, all respect, uh, to the, uh, Uruguayan, um, red <laughs> digital clock, whatever their name. I, I'm, I do, you know, it's a little bit of a joke, but like, look, it was what I think you should expect mm. from the fourth best team in the J League playing the reigning champions of Europe. Mm. Like, it just, it's, it's, it's not going to be a good match. Um, and I, and what I mean by that is, 
in order for them to have any shot, they had to do what they did, which was make that not a match of football that anyone wants to watch. By not having any shots, literally, um, in yeah. that sense, in two different I mean, senses. It, yeah. I mean, I think you pointed out on Twitter that quite literally their entire <laughs> 11 was behind the referee at one point. Yeah. That's yeah. not going to, it's not going to lend itself to this being a thrilling affair. No, absolutely. I think it sums it up, Joe. Um, obviously, global listeners wouldn't have had, the, or well, they would have had the pleasure of not having to listen to Robbie Savage on commentary, but they wouldn't have had the pleasure of, of hearing Robbie Savage. I think it gave him like four different names. He was going in all sorts of pronunciations. Uara, Uara, I think at one point as well. Um, let's just call them Red Diamonds for, for simplicity, but it was a fixture which I think in a weird way, it was just win at whatever cost for City. And, and and obviously for me, as opposed to sort of the last couple of games where it was a win at whatever cost in terms of getting the points, this was a win at whatever cost in terms of maybe don't exert your players to the point where they're going to sort of pick up multiple injuries. And I thought, you know, City did what they had to do. And, and yes, a couple of lucky goals, but what can you really expect against a, a back 11? Yeah, I think at first it was it was... My initial reaction to sort of how things were going in that first, like, well, first 20, 25 minutes where we could all see how the game was playing out, I was a bit like, oh, this is kind of, this is just City having possession and not really doing much with it. And that was a bit frustrating. But I think, obviously, you can look at, you can recontextualize that when you've won a game as comfortably as we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like the plan was probably, look, these are just going to stick 11 men behind the ball. And if they do that, then don't. Don't try, not not try too hard is the wrong word, but don't, like you say, overexert yourselves. Don't, you know, don't run for the sake of running. Just, you know, mm. keep keep holding the ball. Let the ball do the move in. Don't, you know, don't get yourself into a position where none of you are fit enough to play again on on Friday when the final comes round. Um, just, you know, take it, take it slow, take it steady and, and, and the goals will come. And obviously we got very lucky with the first one going in with a, you know, great finish from their centre back, but I think um, wonderful finish. It was, you know, this is the keeper. The keeper had no chance. Um, I think it's it, it's interesting how we, the the fellow who scored the own goal was Norwegian. So maybe those inside the, the I can't remember the name of the stadium, but they, they wanted to see a Norwegian score some goals, and, and obviously just um, giving the people what they want. in Harland. Yeah, early in Ireland wasn't going to do that, but Marius Herbraten, I think I've kind of come close to that. Did a decent job. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, so you know. The, the opening goal may have been a bit lucky, but I think it was it was pretty inevitable. One, if we hadn't done it before, maybe if maybe if you go in nil nil at half time, they come out into the second half with a bit of sort of renewed. You know, we've got a chance here. Forty five more minutes, and we can maybe take this to penalties or something like that. Maybe maybe that psychologically changes with them. But in terms of the actual performance, I feel like it was. The, the game after about five minutes, you could see the writing was on the wall for what this game was going to turn into, and the fact that we scored and they didn't even change what they were doing <laughs> says it all. They just wanted to go home with a semi-respectable result at the end of it. So, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of, and maybe this is just more because as an American and the amount of preseason you know matches that I've attended, not just of cities, but like mm. it did feel very much like some of the preseason matches you will see between Premier League teams and, you know, whether it's a League MX side, an MLS side, or another team here where everyone kind of knows that the result doesn't really matter. And, like, in this sense, I think there's – obviously, we want to win the trophy that is the end of this, but, like, the match itself does not matter other than to get to that point. And so Mm -hmm. it creates this weird state of play where no one really cares – 
And there's such a discrepancy in ability of the players and the teams that like, it just is like, it feels inevitable and everyone is resigned to that inevitability from the very first minute. Can can I ask a bit of perhaps a little bit of a prick question? Because yes, I mean, Joe, you said they wanted to leave with a, a respectable result. And I guess 3-0 against the, the champions of Europe does fall into that category. But, you know, obviously we saw the fans bouncing up and down behind the, the goal. And I'll, I'll throw this to you, Joe, but they had one shot at a game against City and they had one shot to make something happen. And yes, you could say if they came out, then they might have lost 6-0 as opposed to 3-0. But having seen City's fragilities in recent weeks, the, the, it always feels for me like to, to, to win a game, if you're playing with 11 men behind the ball, you're going to need an immense amount of luck. You're going to need the team to be on their off day. But weirdly enough, in that first 15 minutes, they did have, I don't know whether it was... Uh, sort of forced errors from City or whether or not it was actually something the Red Diamonds were doing but they had a few opportunities to to worry City and then they just reverted to type and it's like at the end of it everyone's a bit like okay well what was the point I mean I I said to you didn't I that it felt at 80 minutes that the captain should just shake hands and go off the pitch and call it a day because everyone knew nothing else was going to happen in the final what 15 minutes of the game and it just I don't know it just feels like I say this about Premier League clubs and and it's the same here but it just felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity for them I don't know if that's just me being like a football purist or not being a a realist but I don't know it just um, yeah it it was a weird weird approach I felt like yeah I think it's it's strange because obviously even with them playing the sort of way they did we still nearly let them in on goal a couple of times through whether it was through Edison I think in the first 10-15 minutes like you say Edison did a couple of stupid things that on another day mm. lead to a striker just tapping it into an open net or passing it across or squaring it to another player who can tap it into an open net like they still had those chances even with playing the way that they were and I think that maybe like other teams or other managers might have seen that and gone oh hang on a minute like maybe maybe we can change something maybe if we Mm. get to their penalty area a bit more often maybe a few more of these will come up and honestly given the way that City's defense has looked in recent weeks that wouldn't exactly be the worst thing in the world to do to us at this point um but I think for me what ultimately sealed it is the fact that we went one nil up and they did not change a single thing like nothing like nothing (laughs) nothing happened it went to two nil and again nothing happened three nil I mean obviously once it gets to three nil the game is very much over so there's almost no point then but Mm. But then again, at three nil, just why not? Just like go all out, have, have a couple of you know, have a couple. They, yeah. they, they might not be, you know, they might not be where they were last year. In you know, they're in the fourth, the fourth in the J League at the moment, but they're in this competition because they did win the Asian Champions mm-hmm. League to, to get into it. So obviously, they're not, you know, they're capable of turning up and upsetting some big teams. So I, I you know, God knows, but I think that I, I think there's the difference. The difference. I, in I'd quality. flip that on its head though, and just say like. They were capable of like taking it to bigger teams, kind of. I think within their weight class. Yeah. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Um, the, difference, the difference in and I. But there are some good yeah, teams just, in 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 the Asian Confederate. I know it's not up to European standard, but I, I felt like perhaps maybe and understandably so we're not exposed to it but you know we, we saw Yokohama under Postacoglu for example Pep Guardiola said that's one mm-hmm. of the best sort of tests he's had and yes it was in pre-season but you know and obviously the Saudi money coming in that wasn't in in place necessarily last year but there are you know yes it's in the weight class but they've, they've won three Champions League titles in Asia I just felt like it was a, maybe a missed opportunity but I think if you're their manager and you're already like you're you're fourth in the J League table, I don't know how their current, you know, Asian Champions League. I think I think they're going. second in their group at the moment. They're apparently by no means the, the commentator was saying on our footage our coverage before and that they're by no means 
mm. guaranteed qualification to the knockout. Well, so it's the not J going League well is, is, is finished. Yeah, it's finished. So the the campaign's done. So okay. I guess he, what what you're saying is he's under a little bit of pressure. Yeah, but also I'm just thinking from the same point of you lose three nil. You're kind of expecting that. No one cares. But like imagine that he opens up a bit to like try to have a go of it. And on the one hand, you're like, well, at least fans get something more exciting to watch. But on the other hand, if they get done like six nil, <laughs> it, like it just, to me, I can see the mm, yeah morale and mentality reason to not just like have the idea of, yeah, let's go for it against this city team that, you know, has made teams like Real Madrid and Leipzig just look like they're playing a, a different sport. Mm. And Urwa had a very different level of talent than those teams I could, did. So, like, I I just get it. I, I mean, it, I don't hold it against them. It just means that this match, like, we're all here talking about something that, like, largely it was like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I think I think I, I could just be saying this from the sort of privileged position of being in si- the City fan who's, like, we're the team that is going to win it regardless. But if you're the losing team, would you not rather watch your team have 10, 15 shots and lose 6-0? Than, yeah. than have yeah. one I, I would. three nil. I would. Like I, I know which one I'd yeah. rather watch as a fan, but I, I I'm not in I'm not in the position that they're in playing against a team that is if you were to put them you, you know, if you were to put it in sort of Premier League terms, you'd maybe be looking at a team that is maybe a bottom of the Premier League, if not top of the championship, mm. maybe versus us. And maybe it's easy for us to sit here and say, Oh, just have a go at us, you know, just we'll we'll beat you anyway. So like why not? But I think obviously maybe the mentality is different when you are the minnow. Maybe they're just maybe their fans genuinely are just happy to turn up and see Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland sat on the bench against them and just have a bit of a laugh. I don't know. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, I mean, obviously we're here to speak City and we'll, and we'll pivot on to that and perhaps maybe we underestimate the quality of City because you, you mentioned it a little bit before, Joe, in terms of City's game plan to just just keep the ball. And I think if you look at the lineup, obviously Alves drops out the team. I would suspect that is more fitness-wise, or not necessarily because he's injured, but to sort of keep him fresh. Um, and you look, you're looking, you're going from back to front with the exception of maybe Nathan Ake. You, you go in every single play there, Kanji as well. Um, every single play there is, is, you know, competent, a ball-dominant, footballer um Kyle Walker for, for different reasons I think if we're speaking about the Red Diamonds coming close to scoring he he had a maybe a coupon on that um a bet on that to, to get them on the score sheet but you know from Foden Stones Rodri Kovacic Grealish Nunes uh, Bernardo Silva you, you go in that their sort of their traits are to keep the ball and Andrew what did you make first of all of the lineup I know um outside of the sort of these four walls in this podcast and sort of you know other other listeners and other people online there was a little bit of a surprise that City were going so strong I think some people wanted maybe an Oscar Bob we saw uh, Michael Hamilton play last week obviously you, below that class you've got uh, Calvin Phillips and Sergio Gomez as well but I would say Probably from the available players, you're looking at a, a near enough full strength. Maybe Julian Alvarez comes in and I expect him to start against Fluminense on Friday. But, you know, it's very clear that even though maybe the intensity wasn't necessarily there from City, the other caveat is could it have been there with the way uh, the Red Diamond set up? But the certain, certainly the, the sort of the importance being attached to this competition is there. City want to win it, basically. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember that. Pep takes the Champions League very seriously, and we've seen, you know, how rare it is for him. Like, he doesn't just give players a spot in a team because, oh, I need to fill a fill a slot in the roster, or that we're, you know, running, you know, running on fumes or whatever. Like he does take these competitions seriously, and so it is not surprising that the competition that you were only in by winning the Champions League, Pep also takes that very seriously and doesn't just say, oh, this is a 
a chance for, you know, youth players. Now, the fact that Oscar Bob comes on at 64 minutes, like part of that is where we were in the match and, you know, being as comfortable as we were, but like he still, I think did a good job of rotating and using this team well, but to me, it wasn't surprising to see a lineup like this. Um, We talked about it on, you know, the preview podcast. And I think we got pretty close to what this lineup would look like. Um, And I was incredibly happy with kind of the seeing the lineup and who's going to play. Cause while I didn't care about this match, I do just want city to win this trophy so that we, Mm -hmm. it's marked off the checklist. It's, you know, part of, you know, the treble and, you know, what this team has accomplished. Like it's kind of the final cherry on the top. Right. And so, um, I was happy to see that Pep was taking seriously. And then, you know, I think frankly, some of the players that played, it was good for them either to get more minutes in their legs and get up to speed with someone like stones or someone like Nunez, who I think has played incredibly well the past several matches. And so giving him a chance to continue that momentum, um, so that when we get back to the Premier League and we have to start making up these games in hand, we have a team that is, you know, match fit, match ready, and in kind of its final free-flowing form. Yeah, uh, yeah, that totally. And uh, one player we want to sort of hone in on in part two of the podcast is Mateus Nunes. And, and um, obviously, we're talking about an opposition where we spent the first 10 minutes of this podcast berating them. So maybe not jump into some some major conclusions, but he's certainly grown into his own. And and, and quickly then, um, another player sort of who's, who's maybe had some criticism, uh, unfairly, fairly justified, unjustified, depending on how you see it. But Mateo Kovacic and... I, I think he's been a player for me, Joe, who has maybe, and there's a few t- a few players in the squad, don't get me wrong, who's, who's been victim to this sort of handbrake-off style City have been playing at times because we know what Kovacic can bring, unlike other players in the team, that, that he's not an unknown entity. We He's a very sort of, in, in some in some senses, a two-dimensional because we know what he can bring to the team. We know what his, his ability is. And it is almost this very metronomic number eight style midfielder a little bit like Ilkay Gundogan but obviously different in other parts but it feels like in a game like that he is finding a role where he can be of use to City and I thought the same against Luton if we're going to compare recent fixtures that is probably the one that sort of goes up against it 11 men behind the ball etc but one thing I did notice and obviously for the goal and again I'm going back to it yes the opposition maybe had switched off a little bit here it was in the second half it was hot so so maybe not too many jumping conclusions but that surging run is something I think he can really benefit um sorry City can really benefit from because that was very Ilkay Gundogan in terms of that late run from defence Kyle Walker assist um where that has come from I'm not quite sure but it was a really tidy goal and something he's been criticised the most and something I think was a fair criticism, his finishing, whereas that was in front of goal, plenty of time to think about it, composed through for the net finish. Yeah, definitely. I think Kovacic is sort of, I think, I think Kovacic's biggest issue in terms of getting criticism is how good he was in his first two or three games for City. I think when he mm. came into that, when he came into the community shield and, and, and I think he, I think he then started against Burnley as well, didn't he? I think, um, yeah. He looked. He Even just that's looked like the first six games that City won. He, he, he was playing more advanced, and, and that's kind of the point mm. I'm making. But he, he looked really classy. He just fit straight in. It was like you would literally just like, or not obviously not to Gundogan's level exactly, but it's like you'd, you'd fit in someone who was doing exactly the same stuff that Gundogan did. And he looked. He didn't look out of place in the slightest. Mm. Then he had a little bit of an injury, and then he came back, and then hasn't really got back up to speed with the rest of the team. But obviously, as you say, the the, the way that City play is kind of very much changed 
in that in that space of time. Like obviously we've gone full Doku mode since then and it's all become like a very chaos heavy team, which maybe isn't the game that suits Kovacic. Um but I think that yeah, that in, in today's he, he certainly showed. But I mean, that finish is just ridiculous. Like that's that's kind of that's the kind of finish that you do when it is a preseason friendly. You know, there's not a lot riding mm. on it. Like that's very much just like ah, you know what? Let's just whack it. Like why not? I think it, I, <laughs> I have a feeling in a Premier League game against like Arsenal or Liverpool, for example, he's not he's not confidently slamming that in. He's going to try and mm. side foot that either side of the gap. But you know, that's. That's what happens when you play against teams who are, you know, a bit lower quality than than the ones that are in the Premier League, and that's just what you can do. Um, but that sort of because I remember, obviously, now we kind of think of him as this kind of player who can be a bit more of a deeper, like you know, eleven men behind the ball, like very much facing facing eleven men kind of player who can sort of sit deep and and pass it around a little bit. But when he was first coming through from you know from from I remember when he went to Inter Milan then moved on to Real Madrid he was a very sort of dynamic like box to box kind of midfielder and that's mm. presumably there is still some of that in there obviously with injuries that he's had over the years maybe his legs aren't quite what they used to be but he's he's certainly not some he's certainly someone who's capable of 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 doing that or at least certainly doing that role maybe his maybe his pace has gone a little bit but I think he got away from the defender really well there, and obviously Kyle Walker's assist mm. for that. Kyle Walker's assist for that goal. Like I've been giving Kyle Walker some <laughs> insane amount of stick over the <laughs> over the last few, and 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 this doesn't necessarily negate all of that by any means. But I think, mm. um, but I think the, the the quality of that. If, if Kevin De Bruyne does that pass, I'm sat here calling mm. him the best midfielder in the world over and over again. So I think, um, yeah, there's definitely got to be a lot of credit to, to to Walker for that because it's just. It was just it was perfect place, perfect weight for for, for Kovacic to just run onto it. Past you do have to feel for uh, Nishikawa at that point because, like, once that pass comes off, is that the goalkeeper? And Kovacic, yeah, yeah. okay, just check him. Yeah, like <laughs> you see that pass come off, and you're him. You're like, what? What am I supposed to do at this point? Mm. Like, I can't. Yeah, I'm mm. not ex- like because I think he genuinely the the one player I think we should give some credit to on their team is their goalkeeper because I think there were several times that he read the game really well to stop attacks and to make the the key save. Um, and, yeah. you know, for the first two goals, I think, you know, there is nothing he can do about that own goal. There is really nothing he can do about Kovacic coming through one-on-one um, at that angle. And so I, but yeah, the, the pass was tremendous. Like it, that, that pass makes that goal happen. And there are a lot of assists that that is not true, but this is one of those that like, Kovacic had far less to do than Walker did in that mm. situation. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely that's absolutely fair. Um, Kyle Walker though trying to maybe get a couple more assists by setting up Red Diamonds players later on in the game, but that's a completely different question. Okay, that'll do for part one. Um, quick break. We'll join you after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season 
And the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Now, a little bit of admin before we get into part two, because the schedule over Christmas, believe it or not, we do have families and we would like to spend a little bit of time with them. So we're going to change things up uh, from our usual daily schedule. Tomorrow, we will be back with a preview episode for the final, which is on Friday against Fluminense. There will not be an episode released on Friday morning. Instead, we are going to do an immediate post-match reaction, a little bit of a Christmas party, Adam and I. We'll be joined by hopefully some guests to hopefully uh, speak about City winning the Club World Cup, maybe previewing the Everton game, which is City's next Premier League fixture and possibly finish off with a little bit of trivia. Then we will be taking a break on Monday the 25th, which is obviously Christmas Day for those celebrating Tuesday the 26th, which is Boxing Day. Probably back on Thursday the 28th, although that might be subject to change. There'll also be another episode before the new year, uh, uh, sort of a, new, uh, a 2023 roundup. That's There's more information on that to come later on. And then we will be taking another short break until Wednesday the 3rd, where it will return to regular daily episodes. And breathe. Um, right, okay. Mateus Nunes, Andrew, he's a player who is starting to come into his own for me. Um, another alert, Claxton, it's the last time I'll do it. Opposition, sort of notwithstanding, take what you want from it. But they're professional footballers. Mateus Nunes has a point to prove. And I think against Red Diamonds, he did well. Um, what did you make of his performance? Well, I mean, the first goal only happens because of the particular skill set that City identified Mateus Nunez as having an elite level, which is his ball carrying and his ability to break lines kind of on his own that way. And that's what he does to set up the, you know, just it's a simple one-two to break the line, but suddenly it gets into space, puts that cross in, and, um, you know, it's the cliche, but if you put the ball in a dangerous area, sometimes things happen. And it doesn't always have to be that, one of your players puts the ball in the net. Sometimes it's the other team puts the ball in their own net for you. Um, but I think it is something that too many City fans look at Mateus Nunez and, one, expect the level of consistency, performance, and ability that uh, a guy like LK Gundogan had when they came in, or maybe you know hold him to the standard of what we see Jude Bellingham, the player that City also wanted to fill in that role, but he is neither of those players. He is an incredibly exciting player because he has all these mm. unique skill sets and talent, but he is someone that still needs a lot of development to fully maximize when and where to use it, which I would say is similar of Doku, the other signing that also has a lot of elite skill sets, but still needs some developing being done. And so I, I'm excited for him because I think that this is the type of run he needs to have confidence coming into you know, this packed part of the season where we're going to need him to play well, but he, I mean, he has never played in any competitions and in in matches of the level that he is going to be playing for city. And Mm. so it's, you know, it's not surprising. It's taking him time to get fully up to speed, but I'm excited to see it because I think that genuinely with the right kind of other players around him, he does really bring something to this side. 
Yeah, I, I think part of the maybe um, tempered expectation from some people or sort of maybe disappointment in a way, for want of a better word, with Mateus Nunes sort of comes down to the fact, Joe, that ahead of him, City had targets in midfield, one of them notably being Jude Bellingham, another being Declan Rice. Lucas Packeter as well at West Ham and all three of those you could argue are players of the year contenders let alone just for the club but in terms of the entire league they're in Jude Bellingham Ballon d'Or contender and obviously Mateus Nunes was kind of fourth choice if you sort of use that as a a one-by-one list so he's going to come in and obviously people are expecting uh, in, in the absence of Kevin De Bruyne City to sort of maybe step up it a little bit in midfield Nunes to get the more minutes but it has been it has been you know a bit watered down don't get me wrong however I, I do feel like with a player like him who's had one season in the Premier League with Wolves I think he's well he didn't even have a full season with Wolves he, he arrived after the the sort of the in the summer transfer window last season it is going to take a little bit of time. And yes, he is 25. You know, you, you were hoping a 45, 50 million pound midfielder, unlike Calvin Phillips, can come in and sort of maybe make that immediate impact. But I, I just, for me, I feel like the minerals are there. The materials are there for him to go on and be. I said it last week, come the end of the season, maybe not necessarily a starter in, in the big, big matches, but a player who can come off the bench and, and change a tie. You know, in a Champions League game, if City are searching for a goal at home or Premier League game, wherever it may be, He's a player who who can make something happen, and I think that's necessarily not necessarily something City have had this season. Yeah, I think I think he's. I, I personally like what I've seen of of Nunes so far. I think bef- I think probably when he when he first started playing for City, I was a bit underwhelmed, and that is because we've kind of signed someone who I know he's only played one season of Premier League football, but he has played like a hundred odd games of football. Like he's played 170 odd mm. games of football for joining city. He's not, he's not a novice to football. Um, and I think that because of that, like that does, whether you can call it the age factor or just the amount of football he's played factor, it does bring some level of expectation that I'm not even, I'm not even thinking about Jude Bellingham because Jude Bellingham's a freak. Like he's not like the, he's not yeah. the, he's not the benchmark that I'm putting Mateus Nunes against. I'm just thinking at, at an average 25 year old football who's come in. I understand why a lot of city fans do kind of look at like that age of player coming in and that, and just think, and he has played in the champions league with sporting. He has played a full premier league season with wolves. Like, I know that only one Premier League season isn't exactly, you know, doesn't make you a, a Premier League stalwart by any means. But he has, but he, he has played at the top level of competition. Like he played, did he play against us in the Champions League the year that we played? Yeah, against yeah. yeah so. well, Guardiola called him the the best player in the world. Or <laughs> yeah, worse that effect, which he, as, which as he as quickly usual. backtracked on when when Nunes joined. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah. So so and you know, because I know that I know that Andrew sort of mentioned that the number of games he played was earlier earlier in the, the evening when we were talking about it. So he's played. For, for context, he's played more football at a high level than Bernardo Silva had before he joined, than Kevin mm. De Bruyne had before he joined. And obviously those two are like freak level foot. They're very, very good. But it, but what I'm saying is that the level of football that Mateus Nunes has played and the amount of it he's played is not incomparable to some other footballers who we've had that have come into the squad. And I know that the expectations of his playing time, certainly for me, are very different to those kinds of players. We signed De Bruyne and, and Bernardo Silva to immediately start games for us, like now, because they were that level. Like mm-hmm. Obviously, we saw what Bernardo did at Monaco. We saw what De Bruyne was doing with Wolfsburg. Like That was the level we were after. But... I don't. I don't know. I, I think I, I understand the sort of idea of looking at a player and just going, "Look, give him time." And I'm and I'm absolutely fine. That I'm happy with the progress that Nunes is making. 
But I can also understand why a City fan would look at a 25-year-old we've signed who's mm. played, who has played at the top level. He's played in the Premier League. He's played in the Champions League. He's played in the top level of Portugal, which obviously we've got many players from Portugal. So it's obviously not that mm-hmm. much of a step down. I can see why you would look at that and think, too right, he should be ready. Like, he should be. Like, that's 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 what we would expect. Does that not just sort of... I, I, I take your point entirely, but does that not sort of depend on what your expectations are? And, and, and yes, obviously it comes in the shadow of Bellingham. It comes in the shadow of, of Lucas Paqueta. You know, that's that's not going to change. But in isolation, for me anyway, I looked at Mateus Nunes as, you know, what he was in some respects, a fourth choice signing. And then sort of the way he plays football, the, the, the role he's coming into plug. Like, I think the Calvin Phillips debate is a little bit different because it was very clear that Calvin Phillips had a role to come in and do. And for multiple factors in my opinion, he wasn't able to do it. Some out of his control, some in his control. But with Mateus Nunes, I don't know if anybody, and and maybe if they did, I would say this is unreasonable. Andrew, you can pick up after me, but I don't. Did anyone expect Mateus Nunes to come in and sort of have a starting role lockdown by now, have an immediate impact, take City to the next level? Like, I, I probably guess no. And and you know, you, you mentioned Bernardo Silva. There. I'm conscious of time, so so by the way, uh, keep it brief. Um, but uh, you know, he made 15 starts in his first. Premier League season for City so he, he, even though he played something like 35 matches so obviously there was, there was minutes there and there was an impact he's got six goals five assists City won the, the Premier League with 100 points but it was about that sort of just bedding in period and, and yes Mateus Nunes is for some and and fairly so would say he's in his, his sort of peak years 25 years old you know he's not getting younger but at the same time he's still got what seven eight maybe even nine years at City ahead of him. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. And I think the, the difference between someone like a Bernardo or a Kevin De Bruyne, where they, you, you can say, okay, it's a similar amount of matches or even more matches at a quote unquote high level. The difference I would say is that the, both those players were in environments where they were being developed and they were much more of a finished player by the time City signed them, which is why, you know, the amount of money we spent on them is indicative of a starter or someone you view as an immediate impact player. Whereas the amount we played for Nunez, while it's a similar amount in dollars, the market's totally changed. And Nunez, you know, with at Wolves, he learned nothing. He did not develop. It was not a good fit for his skill set. It was another. He did spend four years at Sporting player. before that, though. And Sporting are a very, very well-renowned like developer of footballers. Like it's not. He has, he's, he's I, I don't disagree with that, but I, I think it's just that the situation he was in there and his particular skill set, I would not say that they let him do what he was very good at because he was better than any player around him, but they did not force him to develop these skill sets that Pep is going to be forcing right yeah, yeah, now in terms yeah. of making the right pass, making the right decision. Um and so like to me that's that's the difference of the of those players is I think Bernardo and Kev had developed skills that you they wouldn't have naturally had and they weren't just only relying on natural talent to do it. Whereas with Nunez, I think most of his career, it has been about his talent and natural abilities rather than developing him. And so that's why I see him as someone who may not be at his where you would want a 25-year-old to be, but those are things that you can actually still develop at 25 um, under the right manager where I can see him being the kind of player we've, you know, you've talked about Joe, but I just, it's not going to be this season. 
Age is, ju- age is just the number, eh? Um, so he could be here when he's 45, I doubt it. Um, right, okay, guys, we'll call it a day there. Joe, thank you very much. City into the Club World Cup final, one game away from being world champions, eh? Um, not too bad after all. Yeah, it's all right. We've got, we've got another thousand people who can, you know, who it is like York away, isn't it? Where only a thousand people were there, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. how, many, how many thousands will claim they were? Yeah, yeah, true. Um, Andrew, I mean, it's slightly easier to prove that one in the modern era because you know, <laughs> yeah. social media and passports are a thing. But yeah, happy to happy to be here, Amos, and hopefully, uh, you know, what is it? it's? I think similar time Friday is the yeah. match, so yep. hopefully, get to celebrate Friday evening and kick off the the festive period officially with a, a nice little uh, trophy celebration. And then crashing all that down to earth when we go to Goodison Park and an inevitable Dwight McNeil 85th minute deflected goal um, puts an end to those celebrations. But that is to come. Hopefully we do have another trophy and a, a shiny gold patch to go with it. Um, listeners, thank you very much for listening. It's been a pleasure as always. Until next time, we will see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.